people start screaming. You're on. Hi, I'm Vicki Abelson, and this is The Road Taken. And with me tonight, I'm sorry we're a little late, is Maggie Wheeler. Hi. Hi, Maggie. Hi, how are you? Thanks for being here. She's got the laugh. She's got the laugh. She's got the north. The, that's part of the laugh. She's got the laugh. She's, she's got, got the look. She's got the... <laughs> So, meanwhile, my son just came, Harry just came downstairs, and ever since we saw that curve, there is not a day that goes by that he does LOL, Mom, LOL, and he was just telling Maggie about it, that he doesn't even, I don't even know what he was saying. Well, he's, he's just saying it's a habit now. Yeah, it's, right. not even, it's not even an impression, it's just a habit. So, that was a question that I started to ask you, and I thought, no, let me ask you this now. What is it like, because you have so many catchphrases, so... I can imagine you're in, you're at a restaurant, you're walking down the street, people want you to do it, right? They do. Is it, is it annoying? No, I don't know. I'm not annoyed by it at all. I mean, I just think I'm so, as you have been part of something that's that iconic, that has brought people so much joy, you know, I mean, how can you be annoyed by that? It's You know, take a lesson out there, people who get annoyed by things. No, I think that's really lovely that you appreciate that this is something that gives people joy. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I can't make it down the street with 20 people asking me to do it, you know. I mean, that that can get a little intense, you know. I mean, yeah. I, I, I've been in, in, in circumstances sure where, oh yeah, can they hear us? I, I, I don't know. I want, can you hear us out there? Because I don't know. I did something. I want to make sure that you can hear us. So um, let's see if anybody's saying that they can't hear us. Um, yeah, it's not moving now, so I, I don't know what's going on. We're, we'll we're see. live. We'll I don't, see what happens. It looks like we're talking. Nobody said that they can't hear us yet. Okay, okay. hi. They're saying hi, okay. Phil. Okay. Hi, everybody. So anyway. Hi, Ross. I have been in circumstances where there are, you know, multitudes of fans in one place, and then it gets a little funny because it's like, you know, because then once people get the idea that they can take a phone out and say, can you say it, can you say it? I mean, we've oh. had some funny, some funny times where, you know, I'm on the 30th or the 40th or the 90th. Oh my God, <laughs> I'm here with Sarah. You know, <laughs> do you do that for that? I do. Oh, that's, I'm so, she doesn't really do it. No, we don't. That's really. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't. No, no, that's really sweet that you do that. That's, that's, um, that's very impressive. Thank you. Um, so has can you think of an example where it's been an absolute annoyance, where it's gotten in the way of your life? Uh, no, but I, I've had some very funny experiences. I walked okay. into a pier one, okay, uh, one time, and I was I was it's just, I was tired. I was on my way home, and I thought, oh, I'm just going to stop in and walk around. I can't remember what I was looking for, and these two <laughs> Muslim women saw me in the store and and they came up and started talking to me and it was a mother and daughter and the mother was hilarious and her daughter was apologizing for her I'm sorry I'm sorry she's a little bit she's a big fan whatever anyway we had a hilarious moment and then the mother whose name was Bushra said to me okay will you do this for me they were in town for a wedding she said okay you go there you go behind that thing and I went and my daughter's gonna film it you come around the corner and she then you say oh my god it's Bushra I'm here it's here whatever and so we did I did it there was nobody else in the store I, I whatever we're gonna do it so I went ahead and did it she's like okay wait let's do it again this time you're gonna go back and she, no. we did a take two oh it was a memorable god. day that is life. hysterical Oh, oh, oh. Hi, Bush Raptor out there watching. <laughs> I'll never forget you. I, oh. <laughs> and just just today, so I, I didn't give a shout out to, to our sponsors, which I'm going to say. Rick Smokey of Quick Impressions. I just want you to know, Peggy Smokey, this one's for you. 
from Maggie, and it's got uh, your name on it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> would, would you say hi to Peggy? Hi, Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's for you, Peggy Smolke. And Rick Smolke, I love you. He makes all of these great things. If you need a, if you need a printer for oh. anything, Rick's your guy, and he will... He will take such care of you. Good to know. Anything you need. And he's really, he's, he's, he's an angel. He's an absolute angel. And my hair person. Do you know Nicole Venables? I don't. Of, of the Ruby Begonia Salon I in don't. Studio City. She has fabulous products that you can get. I forgot. Oh, God. Friends. Friend, oh, God. Now I can't remember what it's called. Dot com. Oh, but it's the Ruby Begonia Salon. And it's Nicole Venables. And Nicole, I need to come see you. Look, Roots. So I... <laughs> So it's time. It's so time. Fantastic. Do I get a goodie bag? Yeah, we'll have to talk about it. Yeah, I'm sure she'd love you to have it. Um, so, all right, Maggie. My children say I do that when I'm done with dinner. <laughs> they know it's time to that's that's like, that's finish. That's like the clap off when you go to Vegas. My brother's a blackjack dealer in Vegas, so you do the clap oh, off. Sorry, right. yeah. I'm sorry, I'm kicking you. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's what we do. We learn things. Except... Actually, that's what this show is. So what is this show? This show is because there are people like me who have not yet lived the full dream, right? Haven't gotten to the place that I want to go. Doing everything, but everything I'm doing, I love what I do. Mm -hmm. Just haven't been able to merge the creativity and commerce yet. Mm -hmm. And so people like you who have managed to do that have um, my respect, my admiration, and, and also tell me, you know, like I want to know, so we want to know everything. Okay, okay so, so you're a little kid, where, where do you grow up? I grew up in New York City. I'm so surprised. Hard me yeah, too. Hard to imagine. Yeah. Um, I grew up where? in New York City on 74th Street, um, and I went to a couple of different schools. I graduated from Calhoun High School. Oh, so you didn't graduate, side. but you went to school with Gabe, with my husband. I, I did. At, <laughs> I don't know, I've never heard that At, at Dalton. Uh, I did, yes. I went to Dalton until... Um, like, I don't know, at ninth grade or something like that. I was super unhappy at that school. It was not the right place for me. I was a very circular thinker, creative child. and um, Oh, it wasn't it was, that way? No. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I really wanted to get out uh, at about third grade, but my mother told me that I had <laughs> to um, stay until I had reached the age of reason, is what she said. Uh, she Boy, I would still be in school. Well, yeah. <laughs> She said, when you're 13, we'll discuss it. So anyway, mm -hmm. I sort of str struggled and suffered there. Mm -hmm. um, but I learned all kinds of things about life. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and then I got out. I was just super grateful to get out. And I went to a very progressive school where I could call my teachers by their first names and sit on the floor and nice. you know, do it that way. And that, mm -hmm. was, that was much better for me. And I was actually very fortunate to land in the hands of a great theater teacher there um, uh -huh. who went on, Alfred Urey, who went on to write Driving Miss Daisy and, and uh, he yeah, wrote The Robert Bridegroom which was on Broadway my senior year and, uh, Ooh, and Alfred God. was a great teacher and so I was so excited and so lucky to have him. When did, when did, it, when did you know this is what you want to do? Pretty young. I, I mean, I, I think I started entertaining my family. Mm -hmm. I'm a middle child, and I think I just felt compelled to keep everybody laughing. And and so, so you um, always fun. Of course, it's obviously it's an age. I think yeah. I was goofy, and I also liked it. I was a big mimic. So uh, I, I know you can't imagine that. <laughs> but um, where yeah, did that so, come from? Where did you get that? Oh, oh her? Yeah. Uh, well, she is she was, modeled after somebody real? She was a combination of a lot of different mm -hmm. people. I just think you know, kind of the essence <laughs> of uh, of those women in New York, and it really that came from the way she was described at the top of the page as a fast talking New Yorker. 
Uh, and I just thought, oh yeah, I've heard her, I know her, and then I saw. <laughs> Did you immediately? Was that the voice immediately? Yeah, immediately. And I and I saw. Uh, mm-hmm. But there was a lot of stuff that led up to that moment. And I, as a story, I should probably tell you. So yes. So I will. Um, I. Uh, okay, we're jumping quite a bit. But we're going to go back. But I want to hear the story now. Okay, we're, we're here now. Okay, we're going to do yeah, it. We're going to be in the moment. <laughs> so I moved out here. Um, I, twice. I came out when I was 25 and then I went back to New York and then I came out again. Mm-hmm. I came out because an uh, independent movie that I made was going to be released and I came out for the sort of final editing and to be here for the release of that movie. It's mm-hmm. called New Year's Day and it was directed by Henry Jaglum and, it's a, it, and it, it was nominated for the, um, you know, in, it was it was in the Venice Film Festival and, it, had, and it, it really gave me my 15 minutes because... What, what year was that? Uh, uh, no, I mean approximately. I was it the eight? Was it the eighties? Was it the nineties? Was it? You really don't know that because I was in Je- Henry's VMware. I I, I love oh, it. Oh, yeah. it was before that. Way before oh, that. I know. Uh, so I can't yeah. even tell you what year. Okay. Honest to God, I really okay. don't know. Uh-huh. But um, you were probably you don't have old work when you came out to. I, I, well, we so I came out when I was about twenty five, mm-hmm. and then we uh, right before I moved here for the first time, I had just. Uh, finished doing a TV show called The New Show that was directed by Lauren Michaels, and it was his. It was a prime time sketch oh, comedy show. I don't remember. Was, do you remember that show, Louise? I don't. I don't either. It's a debacle of sorts <laughs> in the comedy world, which is why perhaps you don't know about it. So it was the year that Lauren took off from SNL, oh. and he created a prime time sketch comedy show. Mid eighties. For okay, me, it was you. about the most exciting thing I could ever have dreamed of. And uh, for Lauren, not so much because it was not a critical success. It was uh-huh. hard to do the kind of comedy that he was doing late night in the middle, you know, at eight o'clock. Um, right. However, uh, my sister's ex-boyfriend's current girlfriend was working <laughs> for Lauren, and she said to me, "Do you want to audition for this show?" And had you done improv? Was that your thing? I was just funny, and I was an actress, and I had studied acting, and I did theater, and she knew she knew me. Right. And she said, do you want to do this? Do you want to audition? I said, I do. And she said, okay, you have to write six minutes of original stand-up. That's the audition. Wow. So I locked myself in a room and wept. Because I thought, I, I can't. I don't even know what that is. I'm not a stand-up. I don't know how to do that. What am I going to do? I'm going to screw up this incredible opportunity. So I just, I, I didn't leave the room until I came up with a way that I could do it. And the way that I could do it was to create characters from my life, people that I, I had it. known, mm-hmm. and to tell those funny stories. Um, and so... It was an amazing experience for me. I did my six minutes, and, mm-hmm. and then Lauren said to me, I, you know, we, there's a little t- videotape of, of this moment, and he said, "Is there any? Do you have anything else?" I'm like, my heart just oh dropped. Like, so I just created six minutes. Oh my god! You know, I said, "Oh yes, there's so much, Lauren. There's so many people in here. There's so." Much. And so then he threw um, Dave Thomas and, and and one of the Murrays up there, and he said, "Any? Can we, we improvise?" And you know, um, yeah, in that world, nobody laughs out loud, so you never know if they think you're right. funny or not. So it was just intensely sweaty. But I did get the job. <laughs> wow. I did get the job, and I had a chance to work with the greatest people from okay. Penny Marshall, John oh. Candy, oh Catherine God. O'Hara, oh uh, uh, Kevin Klein, Raul Julia. Um, you know, I mean, everybody came on that show. Wow. All of Lauren, Steve Martin, again and again and again. And there I was. I was twenty. Four, maybe. Wow. And I mean, I was in heaven while mm. Lauren was like, get me out. <laughs> uh, I couldn't have been happier. Valerie Brownfield, a lot of people came from Second City that were just so funny. Wow. So uh, for me, it was an incredible experience. And then it got canceled. And I thought, I've got to get to LA. This is it. I have to take this moment and come out. So I did. 
um, the night, uh, the week before I left, or something like that, or right after the show got canceled, an old a friend that I met when I was in college. Mm -hmm. um, his name was Jonathan Coffer. Some people may know him. He passed away, unfortunately, um, so a few years ago. But mm -hmm. he was a young Wonderkind filmmaker. Mm -hmm. He's probably so happy that I'm talking about him right Aww. now. I'm talking about you, Jonathan. <laughs> and he made um, he made this film called Soup for One. He was very young. He wrote it. He directed it. He was so just a super young uh -huh. um, and being given these great opportunities. Did he direct it? Did I make that up? No, he did. So anyway, he gave me my first kind of um, speaking Beach. role on, on, on camera to help me get my SAG, my SAG card. So I played a nurse. Her name was Yari, uh, Freddie. Wait a minute, you didn't get your SAG card when you were doing the Lauren thing? I had it by then. Oh, okay. So, uh, so anyway, at the end of the whole thing, when it got canceled, Jonathan took me out to dinner. We went to a restaurant and there was Henry Jaglum and Jonathan knew him. He introduced us, we started talking. I told him I was about to move out to LA. He said, you have to come and visit me. I'm editing a movie. He was making a movie about his, his ex-wife at that time. Um, hi, Henry. Hi, I guarantee you, Henry's Henry, gonna be watching. watching. He's um, gonna be watching. Where it all began. <laughs> so uh, he, he invited me to come watch him edit, which was super, educational opportunity for wow. an actor to sit in an editing room and actually Louise was talking about how she cut and pasted and cut and pasted and Henry used to cut and paste with the tape and the thing and the thing wow stop, wow her, stop, wow her, stop and I got to sit and watch that so that was very interesting and then I got a fantastic job back in New York doing animation uh, because um, doing what in animation uh, so I'm trying to remember her name right now. It just escaped me. But anyway, uh, Rankin Bass, incredible company that did all the Animagic stuff that we all grew up on, all the um, Abominable Snowman and, mm -hmm. and Rudolph, all the claymation mm -hmm. stuff that we watched at Christmas time. Um, they were doing a, a, a bunch of su superhero cartoons, and they reached out to Lauren and uh, and asked if what's her name Lee. I can't remember her last name. Anyway, she reached okay. out to Lauren. She said, "Do you have any? Can I see the audition tapes?" from the new show. Why she asked that, I do not know. Wow. They called me in LA, they said, would you like to come to New York and audition for this? We can't fly you here, you have to fly yourself. And I thought, yeah, I am leaving LA, I'm you. getting to New York, I'm gonna audition for that thing. Uh -huh. I started in radio, we skipped a lot, but I started, well, no, when I was back. a teenager, I started okay. in radio. So I came back, I auditioned, and I got the job. So they, their, their big, at that time, uh, big show was Thundercats, which a lot of people grew up on and then following that they did a superhero cartoon called Silverhawks and I played all the female characters in Silverhawks. <laughs> Henry, mm -hmm. uh, I, had, I, I broke up with a boyfriend on the way to LA. When we were in LA we talked a lot because he likes to talk a lot about life and who you are and what you've been through etc. Oh, yes. et and he said to me I want to make a movie about this. I want to make a movie about a young woman who leaves the city that she grew up in because she's at the end of a relationship, I, I think women do this all the time. They get on Greyhound buses. They they move because something has their heart is broken. And I wanted I want to tell that story. I love you, Henry. I love that he does. I I love this story. This is, I mean, I, I Henry Henry celebrates women like nobody else. But I love the fact that he just made this movie. So he said, I want to do that. So then I moved back to New York to make the cartoons. He called and said, I'm coming to New York. Let's make the movie. So make, you made the movie in New York. We did in his apartment in New York. Ah! Yeah. So at that time, uh, my ex-boyfriend, uh, David Duchovny, was my ex-boyfriend. We dated when we were quite oh, young. Oh, stop. So uh, we met when I... he was still in college and, and or in between undergrad and grad. And so, I know somebody uh, that went to high school with him. He went to... 
He went to collegiate. Thank you. Yes, he did. And so, okay. so uh, when it came time to cast the boyfriend in the story, by that time David, who was uh, who was um, a literature um, major at Yale, uh, was starting to act, and he was taking classes, and he was doing stuff at and Yale. It and was in Henry's movie. And he was. Yes. And so when Henry said to me, "Well, who are we going to get to play your boyfriend?" And he started naming names. And I'm like, "Nope, nope, nope, nope." And he said, "Well, what about David?" Because he knew that I, the David had begun um, pursuing. Acting but did he know? Had, did he know David? No, but he was just willing to do it. He was willing to do it. Oh, so I said, Henry. I said, okay, I, call, I I called David and I said, okay, I've got an offer for you, but here's the deal: you have to be on my team because <laughs> you know Henry. Henry, you know, he likes to throw kerosene on the fire. So yes. I was a little worried. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we had a great time. We made the movie. I'm making sure and, everybody and, uh, can hear. And what happened to Let's David is history. Everyone knows because by the time we got to LA for the first screening of that movie, yeah. Everybody was like, where's the guy, where's the guy, where's the guy? He looks like a young Richard Gere. They were all there to see David, and it was, you know, the rest is history. He's, and he's, he's done Did, amazing work. Uh, yeah, Henry, Henry actually kicked off a lot of people's careers. He did. Uh, quite amazing. Uh, oh, okay, how did we get there? Okay, I so know. I don't remember. How did we get there? I don't know. Oh, how I know how we got there okay. because I was going to yeah. tell you about my audition for Friends. And so uh, I, right. will, I will just go on to say. You have a really good memory. I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we'll find out later that I don't. But, okay. um, but anyway, so uh, I, I came, the movie came out. It, it, it garnered a lot of attention. It went. We we got. Uh, we were in the Venice Film Festival. I was on Johnny Carson. Henry had a publicist. Uh, uh, Vicky asked me earlier if I had one. I don't. Um, but you Henry were, had you one. Were, you were so I did with Johnny. With Johnny. So that was another super exciting moment in my life. And uh, and all that happened. And then a year did later, Johnny like? Did he flirt with you a little bit? It was great. A little bit. It was great. Yeah. Um, a year later, I hadn't really worked, and I, I had signed with an agency, and they I didn't know that it was a policy that they had to drop people at the end of a year. They house they did house cleaning at the end of every year. If you didn't work, if you weren't making the money, they just got rid of you. Mm -hmm. So didn't know that when I went in. Um, anyway, they dropped me. I had a wonderful manager at the I time. I I know what that agency is because I think they did the same thing to Gabe. Okay. <laughs> so I had a wonderful young manager at the time, James mm -hmm. Myrie, who I love and adore. And we hung out and just, we did our own thing for a while. And I couldn't get representation because it was a, there were a couple of independent movies that came out at the same time as New Year's Day. And, uh, and Annabella Shiora kind of hit the same, at the mm -hmm. same time. And the, her movie made a lot of money and whatever. Mm -hmm. it, you know, there's a lot of weird politics. That and there's on. a something, there's something, the dark, New York, yeah, that they could say, she's oh, we have one of those. She's <laughs> so anyway, they all this is to say that at yes. the end of this kind of long desert period, yeah. no representation other than James, who you know, who held down the fort. Uh -huh. I I scored the Seinfeld episode. And uh, it's a great Seinfeld episode. It's one, as Larry told me when I did uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, it's one of the top five episodes, which is so wow. cool. So um, I, I got that job. I think I'd read for the show a bunch of times and gotten rejected. But I, on that day, I remember like I went and bought a $20 suit at some sort of hooker emporium. And I, and I showed up. I needed a suit. Like did I you, actually, did I you know anybody? Did anybody know you? No. You walked in cold. Yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, anyway, I got that job. And all of a sudden, people were like, oh, who's she? Who's she? So out of that experience, I ended up on The Ellen Show, which you mentioned yes. you discovered. Um, Carol Black and Neil Marlins uh, knew me a little bit through mutual friends, and they also saw the Seinfeld episode. They saw Henry's movie. They, they liked my work. So they, when they created Ellen's, the first iteration of right. Ellen's show, they wrote a, a part for me. 
And that doesn't always mean you get it, but in this case, it did mean I okay, got so it. Okay, so now this is two parts. You're like a little girl, and this is two parts created for you already. Wait, wow. who, what else got created? Oh, no, Henry. Henry, 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 That's true. He did. Oh so God. here's the deal. I went in, I started reading for this. You, also, you have to know that before this moment, I had been rejected a thousand times at the network on, on so many shows. We're going to talk I, about those, you know, too. I mean, all of the times okay. that I got right up to the end and I didn't get chosen. So mm. I was a little, I had a little post-traumatic stress about getting close to something I really wanted. Mm. And so there I was in the, in the soup with this Ellen thing, and it was oh. just, it was getting more exciting and, you know, more exciting. And uh, I was terrified that I would get to the network and they would reject me. And at the time, hold for spiritual moment. <laughs> at the time, I was reading The Course in Miracles and I opened to a lesson. And the lesson said something like, um, I, I can't really do this, but I'm going to try. So the essence of it was, if, you, if, all, if things are happening to you that are not in line with what you want to have mm -hmm. happen... Um, take into consideration the idea that it originates with you. That it is not some negativity that is coming back at you, that's it's unwarranted. It's you. coming from you, and people are agreeing with you. Ooh. And I was just freaking mind blown in this moment. I really was, I, I got down on my knees in my apartment mm -hmm. in LA, and I said, <laughs> my apartment was dumb, and I said, I get it, I get it, I get it, oh my God, to the universe, I said, I get it, and within a matter of 30 minutes, my phone rang, Stop. and my agent said, are you sitting, and I said, no, I'm I sitting down <laughs> on the floor, um, and she said, uh, you got the job, and I said, what, and she said, you got the job, on? yeah. And I said, but I didn't go to the network. And she said, that's right, you didn't. You don't have to. Okay, you just gave me goosebumps. So, because of the power of this, of the universal stuff and, and of spiritual. It's deep. Yeah. I mean, I, that's something I can never uh, unlearn or forget. I can't always use it. <laughs> can always, can, you, can you, know. you remember what, what was your, okay, so you, you learned this. Okay, so it's coming from me. Yeah. What thinking did you, what did you do to sort of shift your thinking in that moment? Do you remember? Yeah. I mean, I realized in that moment that mm -hmm. I had spent my entire young life mm -hmm. feeling that I wasn't cool enough to be at the party. Mm -hmm. I wasn't pretty enough. I was too Jewish. My mm -hmm. eyes should have been blue. There was a whole chapter back in my youth where I went to get blue contacts <laughs> because I thought that would change my career. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, it was hilarious. But anyway, I, I just had to really take in the fact that it was the truth. That I walked into every room, no matter how talented I was or how mm -hmm. right I was, mm -hmm. with the secret thought that I didn't real that I wasn't cool enough to get there, and uh, and so in that in, moment, in that moment, I uh, what did I take stock of? I don't know that I was. I just had to accept that I was worthy, that I was good enough the way I was, and I as I say, I, I don't. Did you have say it like a that's... prayer? Did you? Do, do, well, do, I didn't have to at that moment because I got the job. I no, but I mean, in that before you, in that thirty minutes, but when oh, you yeah. had that realization, yeah, you did. I got it. I was. Mm -hmm. I, I. I just. It was. It was almost as if I had a little movie run of you know of my entire life, or just wow. that kind of insecurity that you carry, and and um, and also all the the sort of different beauty myths that that run up against. A young person's self-esteem. I mean, I you know I have two daughters, so of course I see it now in this generation with all the social media and everything that they're up against. And I think back to when I was a young person, and it was just magazines. You know, <laughs> we we leave through thinking I could never, I'm never. So anyway, 
Um, I still look at everything and say I could never. I yeah. started Jenny Craig. To, don't get me started. But anyway, go ahead. But so so that was a, that was a revelation for me. Mm -hmm. Now I got the job, but I got the job without having to go through a particular run, jump through a hoop. Right. And people don't like that. That's not Wait, something. What? Well, that's not something that the powers that be enjoy. If their power to who make has the power to do it? Well, and Neil and Neil and Carol did it. Okay. Because they wanted me, they created the role for me, and uh -huh. I think they probably saw the writing on the wall. I I'm not really. I mean, I, you know, I need to say this out loud and give it air. But I've never really been a network darling. Um, I've always gotten my work through in a way through the side door. And so, you know, I embrace the side door. It's my door. <laughs> as long as it stays open, I'm happy to walk through it. Um, but, you know, I had a lot of experiences that did tell me something about um, about the politics of the business. So, uh, Is this the ethnic, the Jewish? The is, yeah. Yeah, is. you know, my, whatever. I, you know, mm -hmm. I, don't, I could pull it apart in a million different ways. Mm -hmm. I, I, will, I think it's suffice to say I've been fired from several jobs and I've been replaced always by a sexy, bodacious, body redhead. And so... We hate I, her. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't even... But, you know, I, it, then it shows me something, but that's okay, too, because look what happens. I yes. get on this show. Mm -hmm. I have this experience. Something happens behind the scenes. There's a lot happening behind the scenes on that Ellen Did you show. get along with Ellen? I love her. Okay. Absolutely love her. I and love this her. was before she was... Yeah. Yeah. It was all a yeah. secret. Just like Friends. It was all first chapter. What do we have here? Right. Everybody knows it's great, but, every, but you know, the world hasn't seen it yet. Right. I loved Ellen. I loved everyone in that cast. Mm -hmm. I had a, an amazing time with mm -hmm. those people. Mm -hmm. But was, there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of intensity. Um... Uh, there were a lot of there were a lot of p moving pieces behind the scenes. What do we have here? What are we going to do? Where's the sexy going to come from? Where how how successful was the show Out of the Gate? I mean, I don't even know. Was it was I it? I don't know. You was know, it a success? I don't. Okay, a success enough to keep keep going. Right, but I, right. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. All I know is that eventually it was like, oh, we don't have the bodacious redhead with the boobs. So where where we don't have her. So they started to rewrite my character from a kind of bohemian, sarcastic, earthy girl um, into the girl who was getting into kind of the sexual mishaps and the blah, 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 blah. It was very intense what happened. Uh, it ended, the final kind of ring of fire that they had me jump through was an episode where a sex tape was made and, and then gets out of the, goes into the wrong hands and um, blah, 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 blah. Um, I got fired. I was the first to get fired. I was told from people behind the scenes that this was like the, a test. They to set see you whether up to I would, They set me up to fail. To mm -hmm. see whether or not people behind the scenes thought I was sexy enough to, to, to fill these oh shoes. I am hating on so many people oh. right it's rough, but it's not the first time it happened to me. It happened before. It happened with a head of a network who said that, I don't know how, how, if I'm allowed to use blue language on this. Am I, should I Fuck know? yeah! Fuck yeah! So yeah, there was a head of a network who said that I was unfuckable. And that, that was an, another oh, earlier show with shit. some creative people who really wanted to give me the job, so much so that they, 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 they actually sent me to have hair and makeup done. They sent me to a beauty parlor. <laughs> Oh, we used to call them we a used rollers and a cap. No, did you really did you they have, they have the dryer? Dryer. They sent me to have my hair and makeup done. They had a wardrobe person come to my house and pick through my closet, and they dressed me for the network guy. Uh, I looked like a two dollar hooker. And the hilarious thing was that behind the scenes, the creator of the show said to me, "Look, 
you know, he doesn't think he, you know, I got the full, the truth, truth. And she told me something that was very funny that I'll never forget. She said to me, you know, you have to be, you have to be careful not to, you can't just be a Jew. You have to be a Jewess. And she said to me, like, a person who This is a room with three Jews. Three S's. Jews. This is all me, so distressing. It's distressing. I, I, I can't take I, I mean, this. I don't know how much you want to know. It's well, like, we want, we want to know. know. I got we her, how it all happened. Yeah. So, but this stuff happened before. So that woman said to me, you know, if you sit forward in your chair when you're talking to him or you're you, auditioning, oh, don't stop you're a Jew. No, what? it's just what? my body posture. Oh. She said, a Jewess? Sits back and her back never leaves the back of the chair. I haven't touched. The I back didn't get there once. I, I didn't get the memo. I don't have this manual. That's oh what I said. God, I like, did you know not what? Get We're the fucked. Manual. And then she said to me, you know, maybe we have. Look, I'm leaning forward. I just called myself. We lean forward. forward. That's what we do. So it's in our genetics. I knew it was like we're done. So, but we used to. We had a lot of gallows humor about it because you know they were really walking me down the plank and. And how many how many forms of death have I just added to that sentence? The plank, the gallows, whatever. Anyway, there was a joke. We had a joke about maybe I should come with a piece of tape over my nose as if I just had rhinoplasty. Like maybe that would help. Anyway, guess what? I didn't get that job. So now uh, we're jumping forward to um, right. to, to Ellen right. and the okay. fact that I wasn't oh, oh. sexy enough. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. So I they, set, they set you up to fail. Yeah. So whatever you did was not going to be what they wanted. No. So they could say you're fired. Yes. Okay. So they fired me. I was the first to get fired. I was not the last to get fired. Mm. Everybody got fired eventually, oh. including the creators of the show. And they, and they wow. started the whole thing over again. Oh, um, that was so. That was the second incarnation of Ellen. Yes, then. originally it was called These Friends of Mine. That was the yes, first, I remember the first that. Year, third mm -hmm. thing, right? Okay, now I've been fired from a network show that everyone knows is going to be a huge success. Everyone knows Ellen is going to to shoot, you know, a rocket yeah. to the moon. Yeah. And I am devastated, and I'm humiliated, oh. and I'm afraid. Mm. You know, this was something I dreamed of. I had it, and I lost it. And I was really crestfallen, and I didn't know what was going to come next. So, Marianne Williamson was lecturing at a, wherever she used to lecture. I, I can't, so, uh, yeah. I went, and I sat down in the thing, and I was like, Ooh. And so, there's always a big question and answer afterwards. And there was a guy who stood up, and he said, told everyone in front of 250 people that he had just lost his job. And he was an adult who had adult responsibilities, and I was not. Um, oh, so you're still in your 20s? I was in my 20s. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I was a young adult, but he right. was a, 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 a grown up. <laughs> and he talked about losing his job and what it meant to him and what the struggles were. But he also said there was something that he had always dreamed of doing and that he was going to take this opportunity now to do it. And so I thought, you know, if that guy can stand up and talk about what just happened to him, then I am going to stand up in front of 250 people and I'm going to tell them that I just got fired from this show. So I did. <gasps> And, that is so fabulous. And Marianne said, she'd seen me around for mm -hmm. years, and she said to me, you know, I don't know you really well, but I know a little bit about you. I know you a little bit. And I think, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think uh, what's important to you is to be able to help people. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, that is important to me. And she said, well, how do you expect to do it if you haven't experienced what 99% of the population experiences? So she gave me a new container for this, for having lost a job. How did you I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about the application of what this meant exactly. It just meant, oh, this is the human experience, and I'm having it. Mm -hmm. That it doesn't, I don't get the princess road. I don't get to have it all kind of work out perfectly. Mm -hmm. I'm experiencing something that 90% of the, of the human race experiences in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. It came before I wanted it, and it didn't come, you know, in a it never comes when anybody wants it. Right? Yeah. Okay, so cut two. 
Oh, by the way, let me go back a little bit to tell you that a certain someone did say to me on the phone before they fired me, I think we made a mistake when we hired you. I think you're not funny. And I think that it's possible that sitcom is not your milieu. And I'm, oh, I'm, I'm going to right now that was a man. And I'm quoting the man who said Yeah, the man. Okay. And by the way, Marianne Williamson was in this living room and oh, did really? everything right. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah. so that certain someone did say, oh. quote, unquote, sitcom is not your milieu. No, I, I go back to you're not funny. I think because we that... made a mistake. You're not funny. Right. Okay, so that happened. Now I want you to just imagine I've lost the job. I've licked my wounds. And the Friends audition comes across my fax machine. And I see it, and it's just that single page. A fax machine is fax this machine, machine they used to have back in the old days. <laughs> and so I see it, and I see Fast Talking New Yorker, and I will also just add to this that because I probably because of the sort of myth of of my you know not belonging at the party that I carried my whole young life, that I was too ethnic, that I was too Jewish, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I was not in a big rush in my youth to play her. I was not in a big rush to show. Uh, casting directors and directors that, that's that the I truth. could that, do that yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I was thinking in my younger years I'm an actress, you have to know I can be this, I can be that, I can, you know, whatever but by now you leaned into, so it was time to lean it into was it all time, I had been shoved out of an airplane with no parachute mm -hmm. and I didn't die and I saw the audition and I thought, I didn't even question it mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, yeah I know her, <laughs> I'm playing her I'm going to show up and fucking do it. Like, what else is there to do? And I didn't care anymore. Do you know what I mean? So I went and that I did that, and that turned into 10 years of work. And if I had not been fired from the Ellen show, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have had the guts to say, who cares? Craig Bierko was a friend, and, um, you know, he was supposed to be, he turned down Chandler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I've read that. Yeah, because he was on this other show that lasted one season and got canceled. Yeah. yeah. So every single interview he ever does, it's like, so you turned down Chandler. Oh, oh. <laughs> so that's the thing that follows him. Well, I mean, he's yeah. had plenty of other things, but yeah. So Friends, is, Friends has a lot of stories. I know, I know. And so, so was that a torture? Was that a quick process? Did you get the role quickly? I went, I, I was called back either once or twice. I mm -hmm. think I was only called back once. So the first time I did it, and I've told this story in various other um, arenas, mm -hmm. I started the thing and I thought the thing, the thing, the thing. <laughs> and I and I noticed the people on the couch, Marta and Kevin, mm -hmm. oh, I have to, oh, anyway, I noticed them sit back. And I thought, oh, oh, what does that, that mean? probably not They're Jewesses. They probably just went, yeah, not that, right? Not her. But... I also thought in the same moment, mm -hmm. shit, I shouldn't be noticing them. I'm noticing them. I, I like, why am I even noticing them? So I had a little moment in my head, but I also need to just back up a little bit to okay. say that I worked for them before oh. one time. Uh -huh. So when I was in New York back in my twenties, mm -hmm. I made a movie. <laughs> um, I made it. I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm not going to judge it. I'm just saying I made a movie, and it was called um, originally called Divine Obsession, God's Payroll, and then it was called Divine Obsession. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brian Ben Ben, who's a wonderful actor, oh, yeah. was in that movie. Mm -hmm. Bobby Bukowski, who's a wonderful cinematographer, shot it. Um, Anthony LaPaglia, who's a great um, sort of a Brooklyn. I used to love Anthony LaPaglia. Yeah, I haven't yeah, seen yeah. him in a long time. He's great. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, um, Brian mm -hmm. then went on to do Dream On for right. HBO that mm -hmm. Marta uh, and, uh, uh, and and David created. And oh, I didn't even produced. know that. Okay. 
And so mm-hmm. uh, I worked on that show. I auditioned mm-hmm. for it many times, didn't get it. And then uh, there was a part for a stand-up comedian. And they were, they wanted Did you do your six minutes? <laughs> 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 um, so they wanted Paula Poundstone, they wanted Carrie Fisher, they wanted somebody who was recognizable and uh, and they and that didn't work out and the last minute they brought me in and I, I got that job. So I, I so I, I did work for for that crew once before. Mm-hmm. I just throw that in. So when I went in for that friends audition they, they did know me. Uh, but anyway, I got it. Uh, I got it. So how did your okay before I, we talk about how your life changed from friends? Let's go back a little bit. So so you're in school, you're hippy dippy, but good. And, and you're doing were you doing school plays like all through? Um, the... You know, I didn't. I did. I did plays at, at Calhoun where mm-hmm. I graduated from mm-hmm. with uh, with Alfred. So mm-hmm. we did Twelfth Night. I played by on Twelfth Night. Mm-hmm. We did. Um, I can't even remember what else we did. Uh, but I joined. Um, I joined a children's theater company during mm-hmm. the time that I was in high school mm-hmm. called the Merry Mini Players, and uh, they did original musicals for children. Oh, nice. So after school, I would rehearse with them. We would perform on the weekends, and uh, and that was a really wonderful experience. And then I went and did summer stock uh, in at Mount Holyoke, a summer that I turned. I, I want to say it was a summer that I turned um, seventeen, and then uh, and I was an apprentice and. Uh, and I and I thought, oh, you know, next year I'll come back and be there's some a journeyman. I think there mm-hmm. were two steps before you could be in the company. Mm-hmm. So I was going to come back and be a journeyman. But I was also heading to college, and I just thought, oh God, I can't, I can't do this. And then because it's exhausting, you know, doing a play a week for mm-hmm. all that time. And right. so I so I bailed. Um, and uh, the woman who ran the, the program was very angry at me and told me that I would uh, never be successful in business. <laughs> and um, this is and, the, this is last laugh. <laughs> Also went to uh, I went to um, American Play, American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco and I did the summer congress there and that was a, a real life changer because I met Anna Devira Smith who was my teacher and mm-hmm. she is uh, an incredible genius mm-hmm. um, if you don't know her work look her up she's you know she does these incredible one woman pieces about what's happening in the world and um, uh, yeah I, I can't even begin to talk about how and what an important artist she is. And so I was very fortunate to land in her class. And then I came back to New York. Did you study singing during this time? Um, I took, yes, I took voice took all the way through. through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I, there was a moment in time where I thought, oh, you know, I'll do musical theater because I'm a this and I'm a that and I'll do this <coughs> and I'll do that. And I realized eventually, oh, I don't have the voice for it. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of move away from that. But I grew up singing. Uh, but anyway, Anna, st- I studied with Anna in New York and I had a chance to do um, you know, some work with her. Before, before we keep going, were, were your parents, do they have crying. the gift? <laughs> no, beside the crying, do, do they have the gift? Are they, are they creative, talented people, um, funny? They are, my father was a hilariously funny man. Mm-hmm. There was never a moment where he was not joking. What did he do for a living? Uh, he's a stockbroker. A funny, this is not something you hear about every day, a funny stockbroker. Yeah, my father was a very funny stockbroker, very, very funny man, kept us laughing all the time. And my mother uh, is um, uh, a person who's really involved in the visual arts. Uh, She's not Mm -hmm. an artist herself, but Mm -hmm. she's a great supporter of the visual arts. So I grew up around, you know, my parents took me to the theater a lot when Mm -hmm. I was growing up. Uh, They were really great appreciators of of the arts. And so I I had a chance to be exposed to a lot when I was growing up in New York. And how did they feel about the choices you were making? They were not happy. (laughs) 
what if they were not happy? I remember coming to my mother and saying, Mom, look, there's this camp, you know, it's like some performing arts camp. There's this school, some performing arts school. She's like, over my dead body. So, you know, I, 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 she created a lot of obstacles for me, and I had to kind of get up and climb over them. Which is probably how part of the road that you took, how you learned to persevere and do all that stuff, because you had to. I had to. And I also think I'm kind of a natural optimist. So I, at a certain point, I realized, oh, I'm sort of a super ball. Like, I should have given this up years ago, but I just kind of kept at it. You know, I kept that. When, and so when did when did they get with the program and say, oh, yeah, you're doing the right thing? Uh, probably when the Lauren Michaels thing mm-hmm. happened. You know, that got, you know, that was a really visible That's a big moment. Yeah. NBC, you know, however many episodes. Um, Prime time. Prime time with all of these big celebrities. So I think at that point they thought, oh, maybe she's maybe she'll get there. You know, yeah. And okay, so so uh, okay, so you you do the summer stock. You you do this stuff. Yeah. And and so how how and you said something about um, radio. How did that happen? Oh uh, yeah, all my early work happened in radio. Why? Because I would audition. So so I got myself a manager. I, my mother, you know, my parents did not have connections in show business. I used to beg, like, don't you know somebody? What the fuck? I mean, come on. There must be something. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. And then one day my mother said to me, Oh, I found out that my friend has a friend who has a friend who has a daughter who has a friend who has a manager. You know, and so I, all I can give you the. Name you know, so she gave me the name, and of course, it was one of those things. Her name was Muriel Carl. She was she had a management company, and she was very large woman, and she had, she had, you know, yeah, it was incredible. Her stable. So, um, so, but most of those kids, all of those kids, had a parent in tow. So you know, you came in. They they had usually one more than one child dressed in matching gingham clothing, and you know, you know, we would go see Muriel. You had to go in. You had to audition. You had to do this. That you could read the copy. So anyway, I they sent me out on a lot of commercial auditions. And at the time, I was a teenager. I thought if I could just be the girl behind the Burger King counter in the orange dress and little hat, that would be it. I'll make it. I'll make it. So that did not happen because everybody kept saying that you're too ethnic, you're too ethnic, you're too ethnic. What are you? Are you Puerto Rican? Are you Italian? Are you Jewish? What are you? What are you? And I was a kid, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? So I kept thinking, well, it's good. I could be anything. It's just nobody wants it. So then they started sending me on these voiceover uh, auditions and I got they put me in a I, I it was at a place called Clack Studios and I got put in a crowd of, I think they felt sorry for me so they put me in a crowd of young people doing a radio spot for a band and the band was called the Rubenus and I just had to stand there with these other teenagers going ooh the Rubenus ooh the Rubenus, ooh, the Rubenus. and then they said who's the kid with the low voice and I thought oh my god I'm gonna get fired and they pulled me out and they gave me the spot. Oh, nice. So then they just kept hiring me and hiring me. And I did a lot of rock and roll, um, you know, CBS record stuff when I was in my teens. Louise started Premier Radio, by the way. Yay! <laughs> so, so radio cool. people. Radio oh, people. Radio love. people. So that was Blonde. great. And then I ended up doing like an Oxy 5 commercial. You know, things, things happened for me in radio and, that, and voiceover. And that's really where I started. So when I had a chance to go back to New York and, and do the cartoons, I was so happy and I worked for Rankin Bass for I don't know a couple of years and all, a lot of the furniture I have today <laughs> pay for <laughs> cartoons pay for it so um so that's, that's, nice. that's really it's really kind of my first love in a way what and are I'm, some of your cartoon voices 
Um, well, let's see. Right now, you can hear me as, uh, I can't even do it unless I'm looking at her, but Trinette on Archer, she's like a hooker with a heart of gold. And, so you um, did become the hooker. I did play the hooker with the heart of gold on Archer. Um, what other, I've done a lot of different things. I'm, I'm soon in July on Netflix in the new Captain Underpants, I will be playing a French teacher who turns into, I don't know, am I allowed to tell you that she... I can't tell you. Something happens to oh, But can you, let me just, let's just hear the voice. Oh, you can? Okay. Yeah, you gotta yeah. look it up. Um, anyway, I did all the female characters on Silverhawks, and I've been on, you know, the Lilo and Stitch cartoon, and um, I don't, I can't even, I, I need my, pull up my IMDb, I can't <laughs> yeah, even, okay. I don't know. We'll, we'll take your IMDb. Um, but um, a lot of, a lot of animation, but never enough, because I really, really love it. It's my favorite work to do, so it's something that I just hope to keep, you know, diving more and more deeply into. Really? Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, okay, how do we uh, get there? I th this is a question I want to ask you out of, out of context because it, it dawned on me before. When we were talking about how people come up to you and they want you to do this and they want... So do you have a pressure that you have to have makeup on whenever you leave the house? Like, do you ever, can you ever just walk out of that? Because I walk out of the house with my... I mean, do. I mean, you I, do? I do. Yeah, because I mean... Yeah. And, and so do they, do they still bother you when you... Ha and want you to go on film and do all that? I'm not... You know, I, it just it depends. I, yeah. I, I mean, I... I don't know. I think I just live a normal life. I'm not, I, I, in a way, I'm not that famous. You know, like I'm known all over the world for for this show mm -hmm. and for other things too, for The Parent Trap, which is coming up next 20th anniversary, and a couple of other Everybody things. Loves Everybody loves Raymond. Raymond, yeah. I mean, things that I'm known. Unknown all over the world, right. but I don't live the life that um, that a regular on any one of those shows lives, where every time they walk out of their door, there's somebody waiting. You know, I want to talk about that too a little bit because you're a very you're, you're a very devoted mother and you have a long term marriage. No, and and I know how important parenting is to you because uh, Maggie's kids and my kids used to go to the same dance studio yeah. here in town, and we would be the moms waiting in the lobby while our kids danced, yes. and we were there a lot. Couch. <laughs> Hours on that couch. Oh my god! So um, so you have this other side of you and. and very devoted mother. I, I remember you were driving your kids like all over the place to all kinds of things all the time. I remember I tried to book you for Women to Write or something and you were like, well on this day I do this. Oh yeah, this day yeah, I do this. Like you had the whole schedule. You were like so scared. Well, I'll be an empty nester come September. You can ask me again. Oh my God, I will. Um, no, you already told me you won't do that. But you know, by the way, it's the same thing. It's the same thing as this. It's basically just talking to a bunch of people who are really going to eat up every word you're going to say. I would do it. I have a few um, things great. that I would read. <laughs> Excellent. So, so, okay. So, let's go back. So you did oh, radio. So I was, I was just saying that you know I don't have the kind of life where somebody's stopping me at every corner. Right. Um, that's a different life. But what, but what happens when you are out and you don't have the makeup on and they want you to do the video for the thing and? Uh, sometimes I will. I mean, it's pretty rare that I'm going to say no. I mean, you know, so nice. usually I say yes. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I try. I can't. I cannot get too hung up on what I look like. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm over the proverbial hill. I have no filler. <laughs> I have no Botox. I have no, you know, I didn't, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to go down that I road. Love and that so too. either I, I spend my life hiding in terror or I just kind of live and I say, this is it. This is me. This is what you got. And in those moments when somebody's asking for my picture or they want to video me of me saying, oh my God. It's really about the connection and the joy and the, and the character. It's Absolutely. not, you know, and I try not to think about where the hell that thing is going, where people are <laughs> going to see me with my fucked up face with no makeup or whatever, but I 
I'm not, you know, you can tell by looking at the fact that I didn't get my hair blown out for this event. I just can't fucking do it, people. I can't. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know what to say about it, but you know. I, you know, that said, if I have an important meeting to go to, I will go get all that stuff done. You know, so okay. that I look like, I don't look like a hippie, but you know, I, so yeah, I'll do it for, I'll do it, I'll do it for a paycheck. <laughs> so, okay, so, so has the expectation, sh okay, so, so let's go back. So, so you've talked us up through, I think we're up to friend, you, you've done friends now, and that's less than 10 years, but you've done a lot of other work. I got your IMDB. Oh, there's like all kinds of work yeah. going on. Yeah, there's that, Well, friends is going on. There's all kinds of other stuff happening, yeah. right? Okay, so that's Ellen. It's like, you know, oh, I wonder if you know, my, Craig, do you know Craig Ames? Um, he's a stylist. I bet, because he was on, it's like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so for, okay, so now how did uh, what 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 was everybody you now? Phil's a good friend of ours. Yes. Um, oh, and, Raymond. Of ours. oh, the Raymond uh, story. So tell them. And do you know Jeremy's? Jeremy's. I love you, Jeremy. Jeremy's having a little had a little procedure today. Oh, hi, Jeremy. Could I hope not, you're feeling good. Could not love Jeremy more. Love you. Um, so how, we'll tell the Raymond how did story. That happened? Yes. And I know a little bit of that story from their side. Do you? Yeah. All right. Well, you can let's find out if they match up. Okay. How much am I allowed to tell of this story? You're I don't know. Tell, you're allowed to tell Phil, this story. can I tell it? <laughs> All right. So here's what happened. It's I read it online, so it's right. out there. Well, I don't know if what's I don't know what's out there, but um, but I'll tell you this: I had a young baby. My first daughter was just I don't know how old, not a year, mm -hmm. and I came with a friend of mine who held my baby. And I loved this pilot. I loved this pilot. I fell in love with it. It made me laugh so hard, and I was so excited. So I went in, I met Phil, I met Ray. I just said, I don't know which one of you people wrote this thing, which is so brilliant. It's just fucking brilliant. And then we read, and we had a great time. And it was a bit of a love fest. Maggie read with Ray. So that tells you a lot of the story right there. So it was a bit of a love fest. We were super happy with each other all of us and so then I left and then um, you know the not unlike some of the other stories that you've heard uh, you the know powers the that powers be. that be were certainly involved in how these decisions were being made and um, there was a there was the there was the talk of too much ethnicity in one room and and so, I just want to say yeah. who Phil wanted yeah Phil wanted me Wanted. Am I allowed to say that? Yes, you are. For a period it's, of time. It's, out, it's on the is, internet. Is it? Okay. Yeah. God, Phil I love Maggie. you, Phil Rosenthal. He Phil wanted, wanted Maggie to be And so Deborah. then, uh, this is a great show business story. <laughs> right around the same time, I did a, re a, a, a sort of staged reading. At that time, people were reading for the studio all the time. And so we, were, we did a reading of Suddenly Susan. And uh, they wanted me, another show from which I was fired and replaced by a fabulous redhead. Okay, so, however, they wanted me to play this character of this secretary, and it was a funny character, because all she, Vicky, all she ever said was, you know, your mom's on two, your mom's on two, your mom's on four, your mom's on three, it was a very funny joke. Mm -hmm. So anyway, fun times. However, it was, it was at the same time as the Raymond thing was happening. So as things move forward, um, they're both, ha 
you're, you're auditioning at the same time for both? I, I did a read. I, was, I didn't even audition for that thing. I did a staged reading oh, or oh, oh, whatever. Oh. I don't okay. know, staged reading. We did a reading for the right. studio. And then they said, we want you for this. At the okay. same time, I was auditioning for Raymond. Okay. And now, Ray, Phil and I were talking, and it became clear that there was a lot of talk behind the scenes of who should have that part. And there was a moment in time where... Uh, Somebody went ahead and offered it in the middle of the night to an actress who was very blonde and blue-eyed. No kidding. A, yeah, it's kind I don't of, know about this part. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know ah, I can tell. Okay. So uh, without naming any names, right. something happened, at which point Phil called me in a bit of a panic, and he said, look, I know that there is slim to no chance that they're going to give it to you, but will you please do me the honor, the favor of coming to the network audition and showing them what I want? And I was so I could cry. It gives me that it gives me because you know first of all yeah I, I, to to have your work appreciated mm -hmm. like that and especially by somebody that you can respect that respect so much that's so funny yeah who's so mm -hmm. funny who wrote something so brilliant yeah that's the only thing that mattered to me at mm -hmm. that moment I didn't care about getting a job mm -hmm. I cared that somebody like Phil saw that in me mm -hmm. and wanted me to come and represent what he wished for. Wow. So mm -hmm. I said I would. Mm -hmm. At which point the people at Suddenly Susan got mm -hmm. a little angry oh. and said, you can't do that. If you do that, we will change our offer. Uh -huh. I'm making a shit ton of enemies. <laughs> this is supposed to be in my like memoir when everyone's dead. <laughs> All right, Maggie Wheeler, who never worked again after she took the road with Vicky. Nobody's watching. Nobody's <laughs> watching. Nobody can see this. Anyway, this shit This happened. is only on this in my living room. <laughs> We're just sitting in my living room. There's nobody watching. They gave me truth serum. It was here. It was in the fruit. I wasn't going to say a fucking thing. Anyway, all I can tell you is they threatened to pay me less and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, whatever, do whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do what I want to do. And so I did. And I, did, oh. as you know, I did not get the role. Obviously, you know, that wasn't going to be the end result. Although I'm sure in my fantasy at the moment, I thought, but I'm going to blow this away. Fuck it out. Anyway. And so then. Well, especially Phil, with Phil so on your side. Yeah. And Phil's not exactly someone who allows people to steamroll. No, he didn't. He but it was, the first, it, was a, it was the first show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just the, yeah. it, was, it was this big moment. And, yeah. you know, he, he, had to, he had to work with the people who, yes. who were above him on that ladder. So, anyway, um, I love him dearly and forever. And, uh, and he wrote me a part in, in the show. And, and then, you know, that grew. And, and his friend Tom, who played my husband. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we, you know, we, I think we did six episodes together or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. and, and I loved every moment of it. Oh, oh my God! It's a—is it a horror story? Is it a happy story? I you know, don't know. Uh, well, <laughs> I think I believe that everything happens for a reason, and I that we get too. what we're supposed to get, and we too. end up where we're supposed to go, and yeah. we learn the lesson. I mean, the whole course of miracles—we're only here to learn lessons, yeah. and you're right, and that's why right. pay yeah. attention to what's happening. So yeah. there are no there are no mistakes. You weren't meant to be. No, and you know what? I raised my children during those years, and as you mentioned, I'm a super hands-on parent. So It would have been very challenging for me to be, and Patricia is a super woman. Yes, she is. I mean, she's a super woman, and she raised incredible children, and she was phenomenally present for them. And, you know, in a way, I think, you know, what we know, she was hilariously funny and brilliant, mm -hmm. and she was cut out. 
for the balancing act that was that was presented to her. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, you know, I, at the end of the day, I have no regrets that I was able to be the parent to my children that I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something I can't get back. Mm -hmm. So I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for her. You know, it's job. interesting, that thing about her not being ethnic at all and Ray being so ethnic. And had it been two ethnics, like, would America have accepted them? No. You know, probably not. <laughs> the, the suits now. probably knew it. Now! They wouldn't have. Well, they used um, to say back in the day, yeah. and I'm sure every funny person already knows it, but they used to say, right, you cast wasp. And, uh, and I have, have you ever heard that before? No. I have never heard that before. Right, Jew, cast, wasp. And that's Cary Grant. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Have Ask Maggie about her favorite Queen concert. What? Why has somebody what? asked that? Gigi, stop that. <laughs> What's next? And talk about your amazing Golden Bridge Choir. Yeah, oh. we're going to get to that. But wait, now I'm looking at the questions. Oh so wait, What's look at all of this. On, oh my people. God. They, they have questions. To right. talk about the Queen's concert. Gigi's asking them all. Gigi, she's asking a lot of questions. Hi, Ross Mark. I love Ross. Do you know Ross? All right. All right, no. so wait. Let, yeah. Let's see. All oh, right. my best friend oh, since I was 12. Is, is she really? We've known each other forever. We were very, very close when we were kids growing up. And, and, and uh, yeah, and we've seen each other recently. She has an incredibly talented, beautiful daughter. Oh. And, uh, and what, what's her daughter doing? Singing and doing musical theater. Remember our nights with my daughter got to sing on the waitress stage oh. with the uh, with the with the audience and the orchestra and with oh. the cast. She got to do oh that, and that's God, her that's dream amazing. to live that dream. Um, Golden Bridge. We're going to talk about the Golden Bridge Pride, but that's okay. current events. So we're going to yes. we're going to. I'm just seeing if there's any other part. Look, they're all she's asking. Oh, like, no, wait a minute. I can't keep cute dog. Wait, I can't keep up with all of this. Oh, this is like, oh my god. Oh my, look at her. She's, she's asking crazy. everything. Rick Smokey okay. gave you a thumbs up. He heard his shout anyway, out. Anyway, I right, will yeah. tell you not the whole story of the okay. Queen concert because I don't think that's uh, appropriate. Appropriate, but I will tell you that it. To Ask Maggie, Maggie about her road trip to South Dakota, Eric. Metzler? What did I do? I don't know. Okay. I don't ever remember going to South, South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, the drugs. All right. So anyway, I will tell you that being friends with Gigi Shapiro in high school okay. meant getting into many concerts and many after parties because Gigi... Uh, was one of those people who sat by the phone and waited to win all the radio <laughs> things, and she won. Um, wow! But anyway, she also made a lot of good friends uh, in in that world, mm -hmm. and so we did go to the Queen concert. I can't tell this story. <laughs> I wore, uh, but I'll tell you what I wore. Okay. I wore gold Fiorucci jeans. I looked no, like I, I, did, I did have gold um, jeans. Some of you uh, who were around when I was will remember a Dawn portrait of a teenage runaway, which was an after school. <laughs> jeans. I stole my mother's red suede wedge shoes. I wore my sister's fox, speaking of furs, Louise, I, wore, I stole my sister's fox fur chubby, which was the name of a jacket that came to here. A chubby. I wore a chubby. I wore, um, I wore, I believe, a shirt that I'd had since I was eight because I was particularly flat-chested. So in order to create cleavage, I would have to wear something very, very small and pin it and like push everything. So I did that. I wore like a camp shirt, and, and I and I remember I had a gold star glued to my eyelash, oh my and I was God. a virgin looking for trouble. I Put believe. Together. How old were you? I don't know. What, Sixteen, okay. maybe. Uh -huh. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Jailbait, and uh, and I will tell you that the night didn't end well. That, that, really? No, no, it didn't. I, I got out before it ended really badly. 
Do you remember that part, did she? <laughs> anyway, we made it to the party with the, uh, how many people from Queen are still alive? With the, with the cocaine, the queue, the big oh, cocaine yeah. queue on nice. the table. You know, wow. those were the days, my friend. So yeah, Gigi and I saw a lot of trouble together. But How fun. I made it out alive. How fun. I'm not telling have, the rest. How fun to have Whoa. that person still in your yeah. life. That's yeah. really good. Yeah, that's excellent. I have a couple of those. Okay, so so the suddenly Susan things happen, the everybody loves Raymond things happen. How how is that affecting you personally when that stuff is like are you able to keep the Marianne Williamson thinking like this is something I'm putting out there and I can change my love about or this we were, were you were you spiritual about it? Did you know, okay, this isn't my thing. This isn't my I job. I think I cried. I mean, I'm sure yeah. I cried about it all. You yeah. know, I just felt, I mean, you know, there's, there's, it's humiliating mm -hmm. to, to be kind of uh, disregarded in certain kinds of ways. But I have to say, the experience with Phil mm -hmm. and, and what happened around that show was a real gift mm -hmm. because really, ultimately, I cannot bank on the job. I've been doing this for a million years. I've been, I've worked less than, I've been rejected more than I've worked, you know? I so, don't know, that IMDB is pretty uh, <laughs> comprehensive over here. There's a lot of stuff going well, on. Well, I've been very busy. I mean, I'm very blessed. I've you been doing all kinds of work busy. all through the years. But you know, when you, when you really look at that, like if you did one of those things on the map where they put the red pin, you know, where they tie the string, you go oh look here's this job and here's the 90,000 miles she traveled before she got that job and you know I mean it's a lot of it's a, there's a lot of desert out there and so when I talk to young actors or I guess yeah when I talk to young actors and I often get the opportunity to do, to do that mm -hmm. I really encourage them to have a rich and fulfilling other life mm -hmm. because if you are not full if you are not a full human if you do not have other things to feed you then when you walk in that room you're you're too desperate okay this is really important I get the feeling I know the answer to this. Did you ever have a plan B? No. Do you believe in a plan B? Um, I don't even know how to say that. I think if you have other skills, use mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Don't give up your dream. Keep pursuing your dream. But if you have other skills, use them. I, real, I did you ever have a day job? Yeah, I did all kinds of stupid weird things. Like what? <laughs> Right, let's see. I made t-shirts for a children's store. I worked at a pet shop. I was the assistant choreographer to the village people. What? Let's not say I was the assistant choreographer. Let's say I was the assistant to the choreographer okay. uh, for the village people um, because my dance teacher, who was also my best friend in high school, got the gig and took me along with him. Um, hi, village people. So did you come up with the Y, the M, and the I did. I was there for the Y, and the M, and the C, and the M. Um, so, uh, yeah. I don't even know how to do it. Though. Oh, well, she does. Yes! I, I have her children. I can't, I can't lift this oh one up the way it's supposed God. to go, so I can't do it. But anyway, I did a lot of crazy weird things to make Okay. Yeah. But, so, and before we move on to, the, to what's been happening in more current events, if you were going to give suggestions of what were the things that helped you push forward when disappointment happened, when... There weren't opportunities. How did you create opportunity? Like, do you have like? Did you learn? Do you have any tools that like you can pull out of that box when you need them? Mm -hmm. That have um, kind of taken you through, or do they change? I my tools change all the time. But yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think. Like you know, it, it's um, was money ever a motivation for you? Yes. True. True. Yes. And I think that's why you make it seriously. So. 
it was in your intention, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make a living at this. That, yes, I, I wanted to make a living at it for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. That said, mm -hmm. I am also picky. Okay. I am not purely ambitious. I have great good friends who have gone you know, to the, into the stratosphere with their work because of the level of ambition that they have. They will say, they, in, in their, in their you know, earlier years, I noticed they you said, were being a Jew. I did, you see that? You, I felt the back of the chair. I, yeah. I wonder if they noticed. Wait, you know, like, I haven't felt the back of the chair the whole show, and I just noticed Maggie was slightly I did it. I sat back. I <laughs> um, <laughs> sat back okay, to let's, get the job. Let's sit back. But I'll I will Jew say Jew. that, you know, I do have good friends who are very successful, who mm -hmm. are very ambitious, and they, they did a lot of work in their young years. They said yes to everything. Mm -hmm. I did not. Mm -hmm. I did not, and I do not. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, uh, I remember there was a moment Can in time where my, my agent, you know? yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, my agent came to me one time, I have two agents, um, uh, Bell and Bernie, and they're great people, and, Bell, and, and Bernie came to me one time at a moment, I can't remember what all was happening mm -hmm. at the time, and he said to me, what is with you and this fancy thinking? You can't afford <laughs> this fancy thinking. Fancy thinking. You can't afford this fancy thinking. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, because so agents want you to take everything, sure. then they get their commission. Yeah, I said no to a lot, mm -hmm. and uh, because I really have to love it, I just have to. I have to give a shit. I have to love it. It has to be a story I want to tell. You know, I've done some jobs over the years that I did just for the money and just right. for the work. Sure, but not as many as the people who have that level driving of that driving ambition mm -hmm. that I don't have. Mm -hmm. I have a different goal. Okay, was part of that. Was it always that way, or did that happen when you got married and had kids? And did, did that did that shift your ambition at all? Yes, probably. Yeah, yeah. So you got you got married fairly young. I no, I wasn't so young. I mean, I got married. Well, I mean, I, I got married at thirty. Okay. Um, yeah. And you've been with the same husband all this time. Same husband. And um, yes. and it, how did you guys meet? We met at a party in Santa Barbara, okay. and uh, we saw we each other. house in Santa Barbara. Do you? Mm -hmm. We uh, in Los Olivos, actually, outside of Santa Barbara is where ah. we met. But I will tell you, for people who are trying to meet people, I really didn't want to go to that party. <laughs> and in fact, I tried seventeen ways from Sunday to get out of going to the party, mm -hmm. and I couldn't for various and sundry reasons. I was told that I had to had to be there. Did you go alone? Uh, no, I went with my mother and my sister, oh who my. came from New York. It was my mother's invitation to that party, and she was dragging me and I didn't want to be dragged and in fact I, I thought I needed knee surgery and I thought well if I schedule the knee surgery for the weekend of the party I won't have to go and then my sister uh, God bless her ratted me out and told my mother you know she's thinking of getting knee surgery and my mother's like then you are doing no such thing you are now coming why, to this party now why did your mother want you to go to the party so bad well she said to me your name is already on the sweatshirt that's what she said it was, it was a sort of an industry party um, uh, it happened once a year up in Los Olivos. Los Olivos. It was a bar, it called the Barn Dance, and um, it was given by Doug Kramer, who uh, brought us many television shows, and my husband, who's a visual artist, worked for Doug and managed his art collection. And so that was this a setup? No. Oh, okay. No, he just uh -huh. happened to be okay. there. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, my mother was invited to the party. This was the year that my movie was released. So I'd been on Johnny Carson, and I'd had this the Henry moment. movie. Uh, no. Yes. The Henry, yes. The Henry, yes movie. The Henry movie. Mm -hmm. And so I was really having this moment, and um, and so it was for that reason I think that I got invited to the party, and uh, and my mother came out with my sister, and so we went together, and I didn't want to go, but I did meet my husband there. I saw him across a crowded room, and um, I said this yesterday at Women Who Write. So my sponsor reminded me. I'm I'm a twelve stepper. So my sponsor reminded me yesterday because I've had these two guys at the same time that 
um, Marianne says that when you walk into a part, a crowded room and you spot somebody that takes your breath away and the music starts to swell and the room starts to spin, look at the guy right behind him and that's the guy you're supposed to be with. I love that. I Well, in this case, it was the guy who took my breath away. But, but uh, yeah, we've been together ever since. That's a really nice story. So, so that has to temper your ambition to some degree. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, actually, those were very busy years. In mm -hmm. the early years of our, our mm -hmm. relationship, our mm -hmm. dating, and our marriage, I worked quite a lot. I mm -hmm. think having children, mm -hmm. um, yes. you know, is, it was a different chapter. Although, you that's not really true either. Yeah. That's not really true either. Mm -hmm. The reality is, I, this is me. The, my level of ambition mm -hmm. is, is, you know, is unique to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that it's changed that much. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I was pregnant, three months pregnant at the end of the first uh, um, season of Friends. Of mm -hmm. uh, Friends, I went to them at the wrap party. I told them I was pregnant. I said I was. I, I reluctantly told them I was pregnant, but I said, you know, if you want to write a love child for Chandler into the next season, I'm super down for it. <laughs> and then I walked away thinking they'll never call me again. And they called me when I was eight months pregnant and brought me back on the show actually pregnant. Oh, and, I remember uh, that. The other guys. Kid, I remember that. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so yeah. I, there's, I'm pregnant twice in that show. Once mm -hmm. is an actual pregnancy when my, with oh, my wow. first daughter. I was oh. eight months pregnant. And then the, the second one when mm -hmm. I have, I'm in labor with Jennifer, mm -hmm. with Jennifer Anderson, mm -hmm. uh, that's a fake. That fake. is one of the funniest episodes of all time. I loved of that. Of all I time. I loved that. Of but I, I was super pregnant on the, on the show, and my husband was in the audience, and this woman was next to him, and she said, you know, um, oh, my God, that is so fake. <laughs> They never get it right. It's like all there. It's just not right. It's like, no, it's real. It's real. Anyway, so that did happen. That's hysterical. Um, uh, and your yeah. daughter gets to see herself on television. That is In so utero. cool. Yeah. I want you to know my daughter, 20, and all of her friends mm -hmm. went through about a period of two years where all they did was watch Friends. This was just yeah. like a year or two ago. All they did was watch Friends. It's and they know, they know every episode. Yeah. They know the name of it. They know what happens in it. They know who's in it. That is everything. Yeah. I mean, you are, I mean, you're part of an iconic piece of American history, that uh, world history. And who knew? Because just going back to the story, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I got fired from a show. I auditioned for one scene in one brand new show, and I could not have imagined that it would lead to 10 years of work. And, and I was so fortunate. What was that set like when you very first started? How was everybody's chemistry and all of that stuff? Uh, it was great, actually. I, really? mean, I, I had worked on a couple of other shows that, um, that were, did not feel that way. Ah. So it was a very collaborative, super comfortable mm -hmm. show, especially that first year. You know, nobody had a fancy dressing room. Everybody really hung out in this kind of uh, on a broken down couch in the green room playing poker, wow. and uh, it was very congenial. And I knew mm -hmm. Jennifer already, and so uh -huh. I had you know some, there was a little familiarity. Mm -hmm. I wasn't just a brand new person being dropped in. I had an ally, so I think that certainly helped in terms of me being able to kind of hang out with everybody. But as it you know, yeah, it just as it grew. It was just a great. And experience. what was your? Uh, how was your rapport with Matthew Perry when you very first? Great. He's hysterical. He's so funny. Oh my God. I mean, he's the reason that I created the laugh, because in the first uh, rehearsal of the mm -hmm. first episode that we ever did, I just thought this guy is going to crack me up, <laughs> and I'm going to fuck up the whole thing, and Jimmy Bros is going to be directing, and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'll fall apart. What am I going to do? So I just figured she's got to be able to laugh because if she can't laugh, I can't laugh. So, so did you just do it, or did you say yeah, I'm going to do it? I just did it. You just did it. He said we were rehearsing the the scene. He's mm -hmm. got he's, he, he's you know, downing 20,000 mm -hmm. espressos and he brings me a, my cappuccino and 
in the rehearsal, he said, before I even got it to my mouth, he said, do you want another one? I mean, that's, you know, it's great timing. <laughs> and uh, I went, eh, whatever. <laughs> Did that laugh just come out or yeah. without planning it? It was, you just like were so in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. James uh, just laughed. I, I love it. Okay, so now tell us about the choir because this was a whole other part of your life. Uh, yeah. Um, I direct a, a, a large non-auditioned community choir. It's called the Golden Bridge Community Choir. Who did I meet you with recently? This at the, oh, Rochelle is in the choir. Is Rochelle in Rochelle's the choir? in the choir. Yeah, Rochelle's been in it for yes. years. Um, so vaguely, of course. We are, we are working... We're moving into our 14th year, so wow. I've been doing it for a long uh -huh. time. Before that, in the in the 15 years before that, I used to teach an acapella uh, vocal workshop in the gallery that my husband showed in. So um, in, wow. in the years before the babies and all the rest. So I've always been gathering people and singing with them together. I grew up going to a camp that was run by Pete Seeger, and so I grew up which camp? Uh, not by Pete, by his brother John. Um, Killaweed is the name of the camp. Because I went to Kinderland, which was the, all those commie hippie. Oh yes, yeah, so, part of that. Yeah, thing so too. Was that. <laughs> okay, so anyway, um, Pete's brother John uh, and his wife Ellie ran the camp that I went to, and it we were just surrounded by folk music and folk musicians. Those are the people who came and worked as counselors. There were guitars and banjos and dulcimers everywhere. Nice. So I grew up singing around people. And that's really, I was a New York City kid, but when I got to camp, I really felt like, oh my God, I'm home. So I think forever and ever after that, I just sought that out, that kind of, you know, that kind of experience. And eventually I started providing it for people. So somewhere in the midst of all that, I started listening to the music of Sweet Honey and the Rock. If you don't know them, you should look them up because they're extraordinary. And uh, the woman who sang bass for that, that group for many, many years is a woman named Isai Maria Barnwell. And she, uh, at a certain point, started teaching a vocal workshop called Black Choral and Congregational Singing, which it's now called um, Building a Vocal Community. And I was there in the first year that she taught that workshop. And it was a you know, you know about this? seven days of, about this. Okay. of singing together. And, mm -hmm. so that, and all music out of uh, the African-American tradition um, and so that was a, a real life changer for me, not only because I was singing music that I absolutely love to sing in a room full of 60 people, but I was being taught by an absolute master. And I was somebody for whom school was not, you know, was not the place that I really did all my work. My work started at about 3 p.m., you know, when, they, when the bell rang. So to be in the presence of somebody who really embodied what it meant to be a great teacher was a real life changer for me. It was the first, I was not a baby anymore. I was in my 20s and I just thought, oh my God, this is what's possible. Like, mm -hmm. This is what you can do with people. And um, so I didn't think about teaching at that time, but I continued singing and uh, we formed a little acapella group out of some of the people that were in that workshop and she mentored us for a while. And then when I moved out here for the opening of Henry's movie of New Year's Day, um, I left the group that I was singing with and I was really missing that. And so eventually I started teaching. And, um, and then when my older daughter was 10 and my younger was six, I took a break and I went and went back into the classroom with Isai in, um, in Canada at a place called Hollyhock. It's an incredibly beautiful retreat center. And I met all these amazing people from Victoria, from Canada. And this woman, Gloria, said to me, you know, this, my the choir leaders, my choir leaders do a training. It's called the Community Choir Leadership Training, and you have to come here, made for it, blah, 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 blah. And I said, no, thank you, but no, <laughs> I'm not starting a choir, but thanks a lot. And, uh, and on the day that I was getting ready to leave, she tapped me on the shoulder and she said, I would just like to share with you this quote by Balzac, and I'm going to butcher the quote. But she said, you know, for those who do not follow their soul's vocation, it bleeds like the colors of paint through the rest of their lives. Okay, you know, that's not exactly it, but that's right, right, that's the idea. And she sent me on my merry way and I got back to LA and I thought, shit, maybe I need to go do this training. 
And then just because, you know, mm -hmm. and it was kind of made me nervous and I thought, yeah, I need to do something to just get out of my comfort zone. Maybe I'll, I'll apply. And then I applied and they took me and then the week or two before I was getting ready to go, Gloria called me and she said, there's a gentleman in Los Angeles who did the first year of the training and I think you would love him. I think you need to call him. So I reached out to Emil Hassan Dyer, who is my co-director, and uh, we met each other and he watched me teach. I was teaching at Golden Bridge at that time. Mm -hmm. I was doing uh, like Friday night workshops, uh, vocal workshops, and he came and watched me and I went and watched him and then I went off and did the thing and I came back and we shook hands and we started the choir. Mm. So the choir is my, it's like a deep, great joy. We had 110 singers in the last session. It's intergenerational, it's non-auditioned. and it's, Oh really, yeah, I love that. I think it's the only non-auditioned choir in LA. I love Maybe that. Somebody, one of the, we were talking before the show started about the, I had a political thread on Facebook and somebody said something like, yeah, you libtards who give everybody a trophy, you every, give everybody a trophy libtard. And I'm like, how much can you hate your children that you don't want them to get a trophy? What the f Anyway, so oh it's like that kind of mentality. I love yeah. the no audition. The no like, audition choir. And so, it, it, you know, we create a space where um, you know, a lot of people who've been kind of musically wounded, who were told mm -hmm. not to sing. You know, we have everybody. We have people who've never uttered a note for fear of doing so to people who are professional that. musicians. And, and I bet it sounds beautiful. It sounds really nice. I really yeah. love that. So we do two, and we, we meet at Wanderlust Hollywood. We're still called the Golden Bridge Choir, which we started under the under the roof of Golden Bridge, Gurmukh, who was the, um, who is, you know, the goddess of, Go of Golden Bridge Yoga, uh, for anybody who's local to LA or who has run into her in New York or in anywhere else. Um, we knew each other through my pregnancies and uh, we ran into each other when she was building this new space and she said, anything you want to do, anytime, you just come. And um, yeah, I don't know if we have time for another spiritual story, but I can, yeah, I yeah, can tell you if we do. Mm -hmm. So. Um, so I, a friend of mine was teaching a spin class and she kept saying, you have to come, you have to come. My, my friend Meredith Scotland, very, very funny human. And she said, you have to come. And I said, you don't want me to come to a spin class. I'm gonna die on the bike. It's gonna be super bad for your publicity. And so finally she got me and I went. And I was sitting there on the bike, hating every living minute of it. And she made the, the, you know, the music tape. Whatever tape. I wonder, I've said tape. I've said beauty parlor. I've said plank. Walking the plank. A tape is a thing that used to have music yeah. oh, on. Fax it. machine. Yeah. Anyway, children. I was sitting on the bike. So anyway, she uh, she played beautiful music. All this crazy music, like you know, whatever thumping, thumping music, and all of a sudden it switched, and this beautiful kirtan chanting thing came on and, and these tears just shot out of my wow. head probably because I wanted so badly to get off the fucking right <laughs> but I was so moved by this music oh. so afterwards I went up to her and I said what was that and she said it was Krishna Das who I at the time never heard before so then I'm driving home I never I never took Gurmukh up on her offer I never went to look at the space I was driving home I passed it and I thought oh I bet they have that CD in there so I parked the car I walked out, I walked into this space, which is, um, well, it's right across from the Arclight. It, it, was, it was Frank Sinatra's rehearsal studio back in the day. Uh, it was wow. the Golden Bridge Yoga for a long time. Then uh, it was BuzzFeed most recently, and now mm -hmm. I think it's being, it's being turned into maybe an, an academy, a museum for the academy, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But um, it's under construction at the moment, but beautiful old building. And I, I walked in, I saw the building, and I thought, oh my God, I have to do something. Like I have to do something. I have to sing in this place, 
and then I got the CD and then I went to talk to her and I said let's do it and then I walked into my car I put the CD in the CD player and I started driving I went to the song and I I fucking cried for like three days I just cried and it was a complete life-changing moment because if I hadn't listened if I hadn't stopped if I hadn't walked in and seen the space I wouldn't have started teaching there and if I hadn't started teaching there I wouldn't have created the choir there and I wouldn't be doing the work I do today so you know this is the way I look at the roadmap, you know, I just try to... I know of something else you do regularly, you and Kathleen Wilhoy do a breast... Uh, uh, tell us about that. So, um, we it's not happening anymore, but for oh. many years we were part of something called What a Pair, and it happened annually, and it's a breast cancer fundraiser um, for, for, for research, and it was an evening of uh, women singing Broadway duets, and Kathleen is the one who brought me into it, mm -hmm. and uh, and we, we actually, most people kind of switch up partners every year, but Kathleen and I mm -hmm. stayed as a duo all the way through, mm -hmm. and I really just let her pull me and take me and shove me Fantastic. in any direction, because Kathleen Wilhoit, you are brilliant. She is and, so uh, brilliant. And I love you, mm -hmm. and so we had some great adventures doing that, and, I, and as I mentioned, it's the 20th anniversary of the Parent Trap, um, coming yes. up. So what are they and doing? I, I don't know, uh -huh. but, uh, but Elaine Hendricks and Lisa I, Walters, Elaine both here. of whom were in the Parent Trap, uh, were also part of What a Pair, so Aww. we always had a little Parent Trap reunion and got a chance to be They both there. did Women Who Write in early years. Yeah, they're both lovely. Oh, God, this is so great. Okay, so so is there anything... You, you're doing something to fill your soul. Absolutely. You have your work, you have your husband, you have your children. Is there anything you haven't done that you still have ambition for? You know, it's funny because sometimes I can get a little cynical about it mm. and then something will come up, some piece of writing that excites me and I realize there's more to do. Uh, as I have said, you written? I think oh, that's no, no, not, not, not my writing. Oh, okay. But I mean, uh, you know, I have written, but, uh, but uh, when I, I mean like an audition, a piece mm -hmm. of, you know, mm -hmm. a, a, some acting work, mm -hmm. uh, where I get excited and I think, oh, you know what, I would love to play that character. I would love to be a part of that ensemble. Um, so that still happens. But does like a Netflix series, is, is that exciting? Is that something yeah. that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it could be. Could be. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I've always been somebody who, I, I, maybe to a detriment, who waits on the will of heaven when it comes to that sort of stuff. I'm not a person who pushes the river. And when I was younger, I think I was. I bashed mm. down doors when they said, no, we won't see you. I found out a million ways to get in. You know, I just did that. But I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm a different human now, and I don't do Speaking that. of the different human, Maggie is like the only person on the planet that does not do the social media thing. She doesn't do the Twitter doesn't do it. So okay, so we talked about this briefly before the show because I have heard that there's a lot of pressure at certain networks and stuff for yeah. actors to have followings. You know what? I wouldn't know because mm -hmm. I'm not in that, you know, it's not Although like, you did. You said that it was I, It did happen to me mm -hmm. several years ago where I went in and they, people, somebody was interested in me for a job and it came up that there was, that I didn't have, you know, a following. Mm -hmm. And um, I could, if I did want yeah. to, I could open, start a fan page. I could da 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 da. I just, it's not something I've ever really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And um, so anyway, but then when that happened for the first time, I realized, oh, this could be a, a, a hindrance. You know, this, if this is the new way that people are deciding to hire people, not based on what you bring into the room, but based on whether or not you're gonna bring, you know, 100,000 viewers, um, well, I might lose the game, mm -hmm. you know? But I, you know, if you know me, then you know. There are a lot of things that really matter to me. 
and that I don't think that's one of them. <laughs> I just don't, you know. I don't want to. I don't want to be uh, too glib about not, you know, not wanting work. I love to work. I love. I love the creative process. I love the artistry. I love it. I love making people laugh. I love making people cry. But you know what I do do is I continue to do this work with. Wait people. a minute. How is that on California? I just realized you're on California I, I I had heard a rumor a long time ago about you and David, but then I forgot about it. Which just I know Evan. Oh. Uh, a lot, and yeah. Uh, so how is it working with David again? Oh, I love David, and we're very good friends, and we've worked together a lot. I was on the X Files. Oh, 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 oh um, that's right. As an actor, uh -huh. then he hired me on the X. I sang on the X Files. I wait, sang. wait, wait. I saw every X Files. Wait, what? So, uh, if, if in the episode where Scully gives her baby away, there's a, a recording of Michael Rowe or Boda Shore that happens underneath it, and that's me. So um, I did that recording, and that's available on uh, iTunes CD Baby. Uh, it wasn't for a long time, actually. I just finally put it up. Um, X Files fans were kind of looking for it for a long time, and I finally wow. put it up there, so it's available now. But anyway, I do, you know, I sing in kind of multiple harmony parts. That's what I do with the choir. And so that recording of Michael Ray or Boda Shore is in five part harmony or something like that, and it's all me singing. Wow. Um, and so I did that, and then later David hired me to come and musically direct. Um, the, the, there's an episode about where a black baseball team um, is part of the story of the black baseball league and, Af and African American baseball league and so there's a scene on a bus where they're all singing spiritual so he so David asked me to come pick a spiritual teach it and orchestrate it and and musically direct that which was wow. incredible because I suddenly found myself on this massive soundstage with a bunch of actors in the booths and I'm like oh my god I felt like I felt like I was about this big like okay can you all hear me can you all see me so anyway, David and I have worked together a lot. And here's a freaking crazy thing that happened. Okay. I don't know how much of this I actually want to say, talk, <laughs> tell you about. But tell I'll, us the no, whole story. Well, let me have another piece of fruit <laughs> laced with truth theorem. No, what, I will tell you this. Something happened online. Something uncomfortable happened. And I called David for advice. So I'm not going to go into details about what okay. happened. I will just okay. say that there was some, there was an interaction uh, that happened uh, in an online space because I'm not completely not on on <laughs> in places. I'm just not there as as Maggie. So um, anyway, something happened. Mm -hmm. I felt super uncomfortable about it, mm -hmm. and I called him because I felt he's you know we're good friends and, and I knew but that he's he not really on social media either. It's not he? about that. It's just about having people be you know kind of a intrusive. A little intrusive. So, um, so I called him to ask his advice, mm -hmm. and we were in the middle of that conversation. And he said, "Hey, there's a part coming up on the show that you might be good for. Do you want to do it? Oh, stop! Are you interested in it? Mm -hmm. Not do you want to do it? Because he wasn't offering it to right. me. He said, "Are you interested in it? I said, "Yeah." He said, you, "I said, oh, is this fornication? Yeah. I said, "Do I have to get naked?" And he's like, "No, you don't." I said, "Yeah, totally. I'm in." And uh, so anyway, but then we show. sent all my stuff in, and, and they, they, they gave mm -hmm. me that job. He didn't even know when he mentioned it to me that it was a six episode arc. He had no idea, and he also didn't realize he was going to be directing, or maybe he did the first one. So that was super fun. Um, but anyway, had I not had that uncomfortable thing yeah. happen, and I had, had I not called him in the middle of the night, I called somebody else too. I called somebody else here locally first, um, and they were not helpful to me. And so then I said, I'm calling David. So I called him, and then so anyway, that you know. That's a pretty great story. story. So before we go, tell tell me about the curve thing because I oh, that is so that fun. because for me that is another iconic moment. It's an iconic show, and that is an iconic moment. I had never auditioned for the show ever. I never. Well, you, did you know Larry? 
Well, we did we did um, Seinfeld. Together. Oh, of course. Right. So, but not in all those years. I don't think I'd run into him or seen him anywhere. And what was he like on the Seinfeld set, though, with you? Was he? He was. He was mad at me because I because I um I, I talked through a laugh. He's like, "What's the matter with you? You know, you gotta wait for the laugh. What are you doing talking through the laugh? You had a laugh." I'm like, "Really?" I was just so into kind of you know getting it right. But anyway, I love him, and he's he's amazing. So uh, what happened? I, my manager mentioned to the casting director that they'd never seen me. And she said, that's not possible. And she said, no, it's possible. She's never read for the show. So they brought me in on this thing. I'd never read for the show. Here's how it goes. You get a little strip of paper. It says a little something on it. Lar uh, friend of Larry's says LOL a lot. You know, fighting with the da da. Says, you get, that's all. That's all you get. Right. And then you go in and you improv. Right. Um, so I went in. And Larry Charles, who wrote, uh, who co-wrote the Epstein episode, uh -huh. was in there, which was great. And Jeff Garland, who's who's been a, a great supporter of, of, my, of mine, was in there. And I stepped on Larry's toe um, and hugged him, which was probably uncool. And then, uh, and then I improv the thing, and I, I got it. Yeah! I love it. Um, can you can you do one LOL before we go? LOL. <laughs> LOL, Larry. <laughs> I forgot to give Louise like the cord to like plug us in. Are we still on? We're on 20%. Okay. Oh, we're fine. Oh, so, okay. so anyway. Yeah, it was an incredible experience. I fucking loved it. I loved work. That's another one of those moments where you're like, okay, it's a desert. Wait, so wait, what did your piece of paper say? I was distracted. It said, it said friend, uh, a wife of a friend of Larry's says LOL a lot. That's all. And or annoys, annoys Larry, and maybe it said that I don't even remember. Very little. And um, so you came up with that. L, you you did your whole. I did the thing, whatever I did. But the really, I had teenagers at the time, and so I knew some of the other kind of text language. And so you know, they said FML all the time, which is fuck my life. And so I'm like, I'm gonna use that, whatever that is. I'm gonna, and so and so so we got you know Jeff got in on it. Everybody got in got in on the improv. And at some point, I was like, oh my god, you know, just FML, FML. You don't like my LOL, well, FML. You know, whatever. I think. I'm I think that's what got me the job, but um, it was a great experience. I just loved it. The cast was amazing. The experience, Larry was amazing, and it was sitting in the hair and makeup trailer. He came in and sat next to me, and you know, they were doing whatever they were doing, and he said, uh, in the beauty parlor, and he said, um, top five, and I said, what? And he said, top five, and I didn't know what he meant. He said, I, I, like, I, didn't, I, I felt like an asshole asking what a second time, but then he said, you know, it's your Seinfeld episode, top five, so that that's was pretty cool. pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, I think you're pretty cool. Thank you so much for doing this, and um, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take you up on coming back and doing Women Who Write. Okay, I, 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 I think love. I think I can do it. I think I, 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 think I, I can. That. I think I can. And for any of the network executives who I offended tonight, I'm truly sorry. I love you all. <laughs> um, Louise, thanks for being back there. You were quiet tonight. We need more Wheezy. Um, thank you so much for doing it. Thank you out there. And uh, by the way, next week is the Fourth of July. And the kids and I are going to be out running around finding fireworks. So we're going to, we're, I didn't feel comfortable asking anyone, including Louise, to come on the 4th of July. So you're just going to get a show with the kids and I out in the world on the 4th of July, being 4th of July people. And then when we come back, our 100th show on July 11th on Wednesday is with Carl Reiner. And we will be in the home of Carl. And oh my God! Okay. <laughs> yes! <laughs> so we will see you. Uh, we'll see you on the 4th of July um, on the road taken. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>